millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What is going on, my friend? You are listening to another episode of Real English Radio, the only podcast you need to learn real spoken English in a practical way. I am your host, Tony Kaizen. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you might have noticed that I'm coming to you live from a different studio in a different city in a different country. That is right, my friend. I have packed my bags and I have hit the road once more. It's been like almost four years since I got the chance or since I had the privilege of being able to travel abroad. So when the opportunity finally presented itself once more, I mean, what was I supposed to do? Say no? You know, what would you have done if you were me? Right? I mean, you, you got to do it. When you have the opportunity to travel, you take it, man. There are very few ways to spend time that are better than traveling, if you ask me. So what was, I mean, I had to do it, bro. Don't judge me. I had to do it. I had to buy the tickets, you know? They made me an offer I couldn't refuse, and I took it. Sue me, goddammit. Anyway, today what we're talking about is packing bags. I was supposed to record this episode before I left for my trip, but I got busy with work and procrastinated on certain stuff, and I ended up not making time for this episode. But uh, here we are. You know what I'm saying? No time like the present. I still feel like this subject will be useful to you whenever you're talking about traveling, whenever you go on your next trip or your first trip. You know what I'm saying? So let's get right into it, my friend. Let's talk about packing my bags and preparing for my trip. The first thing you have to do before you pack any bags is choose a city or a country, right? And that choice for me wasn't really difficult because I've really been wanting to improve my Spanish lately. And the country I've come to is a country I've always wanted to visit since I started learning Spanish. The dialect of Spanish here is one of the most beautiful, if you ask me. So I'm really happy to be here, man. It's only been a couple of days, so I don't really have an opinion yet. But choosing the city, and well, the city was actually kind of hard because some of the people I know from this country, even some of my students, they all were giving me different recommendations. Some were saying, no, don't go to this city, go to that one. And then other people were saying, no, don't go to that one, go to this one, you know? And I'm like, I could probably visit multiple cities during my time here. So let's just pick one and see what happens. You know, I basically wrote a bunch of city names down on papers, put them in a hat and just picked one blindly. I didn't actually do that. But mentally, that's what I did. It's just like, I'm, let's just see what happens. Fuck it. Here goes nothing. You know what I'm saying? Now, that's the type of guy I am, you know, just fuck it. Here goes nothing. Let's see what happens. And um, actually, that makes me think of... Uh, that currency song, Days of Thunder, from the Return to the Winter Circle mixtape. I don't know if you've heard that. In that song, he says something like, uh, ain't slowing down for nothing. George Cush, the button, like, what do this do? Fuck it, here goes nothing. Your man's is something else. Class by Anyway, has nothing to do with this episode that uh, just came to mind when I said, fuck it, here goes nothing. Anyway. That's kind of how I chose 
the first city I'm going to visit while I'm here. You know, it was just like, I guess we'll start with this one and see what happens. You know what I'm saying? Didn't really put much more thought into it than that. All I knew is that I wanted to improve my Spanish and get exposed to a new culture, go someplace I had never been before, but had heard. Let's say I had heard a bit about, you know what I'm saying? I can't say I've heard a lot about this country, but I've heard quite a bit. And so, you know, I'm a curious guy. It's like, if I got the chance to go find out for myself, I'm going to go. So I bought the tickets and, you know, I went. And here I am, my friend. So that's the first thing you got to do is choose a city and a country. And obviously you got to consider what language do they speak? What language are you trying to learn? Are you willing to learn their language? How long is that going to take you? You know what I'm saying? Or how long will it take to get to a conversational level? What's the cultural difference that you're expecting? That's another thing that I had considered when choosing this country. This region in general is just like the cultural differences because this place has a reputation for being very warm and welcoming and open and friendly and extroverted and expressive. And I'm just like calm, cool and collected and low key and shit for the most part, I should say. And I was just um, not worried, but just wondering if there was going to be some kind of culture shock. And to be honest, I can't say that there has been, which is very, uh, what's a good word? Surprising in a good way. It's a pleasant surprise. I guess that's what I can say. You know, so I chose the city, I chose the country. Then I've had to figure out, okay, where am I going to stay? And this is where the beauty of Airbnb comes into play, my friend, because I've traveled a lot since I was a very young boy. And stayed in all types of hotels, houses, apartments, and all these different structures, let's say. And I just never was a big fan of hotels, you know, especially chain hotels in the U.S. where they all look exactly the same. Every room is exactly the same. And you just are in this little box, you know, it's not. And especially when you're traveling in the U.S., the cities are not designed for social interaction or community gatherings and stuff like that. So you travel to another city in the U.S., if you're outside of a major city, if you're outside of a place where you don't need a car, you're like, what are you going to do outside of the hotel? You know, even if you have a rental car, you're going to go to some touristy places, the fucking zoo, the aquarium, local park. And I'm not saying those places are bad. Fuck the zoo and the aquarium, though, on a moral level. I just, you know, that's always been weird for me, how we're all kind of just OK with keeping animals in a zoo or like at the aquarium bro this prison this fucking animal prison and they're charging you money to go see the man that's fucking crazy anyway anyway i never really was a big fan of hotels that's my point and so when i started traveling by myself <clears throat> i used a a website called couch surfing i don't know if you guys have heard of this one i don't even know if they still exist that people still use the site because you know its reputation <clears throat> excuse me its reputation isn't the best these days back then maybe 10 or 11 years ago i guess it was relatively different and just in case you don't know couch surfing is literally a network of travelers who are willing to let other travelers sleep on their couch for free just travelers helping travelers because if you're 22 years old you just got out of college. You don't necessarily want to join the workforce yet. You got some money saved up and you just want to travel, go backpacking in, I don't know, Asia or tour across Europe or bounce from country to country through South America, whatever, you know, the, the horn of Africa. I don't know, whatever tickles your fancy. But you don't have enough money to cover all the expenses. And what's the most expensive thing we have to pay for when we travel? Lodging. A place to stay, right? A place to sleep, clean yourself, eat, do whatever you got to do. Hotels. That's what costs you the most. Then it's plane tickets, maybe insurance and blah, blah, blah. But number one is lodging. Number one. Always. And so when couch surfing came along, a bunch of not just 22-year-olds, obviously, but just independent travelers who didn't necessarily have lots of money to spend, but wanted to go to that place and were fine with having an alternative and many times better experience it was a godsend. It was perfect. Because you could go, like, for example, I received a guy from Belgium one time, a couple of girls from Croatia when I was living in San Diego. And so for them, they go across the world to a foreign country, a new city, 
new language, and they get to sleep in the house of a native who's from that city, who can help them practice the language, who can show them around the city, tell them where to go, where not to go, and basically be their tour guide. And it's just like a cultural exchange. You know what I'm saying? They get to stay in a native's house, not always on a couch. Sometimes you get an air mattress or your own bedroom. It just depends on the host. But you get all that for free and a tour guide. And in exchange, they get a piece, a little piece of some other part of the world in their home for a few days. Like I had Belgium in my house for a few days. I had Croatia in my house for a few days, you know? At least that's the way I used to think about it. But um, there were a couple of horror stories of, you know, people violating other people or getting physical or, you know, just scandals and shit, stuff being stolen. There were some stories of like, Crazy stuff happening, you know, via this couch surfing website, because, that, again, you're you're letting a complete stranger from another side of the world into your home for free. And couch surfing wasn't really regulated like that back then. So you were actually running a real risk. You're always running the risk, but you were running a serious risk by letting these strangers into your house or going across the world and you staying in a stranger's house, you know. Um. I don't know. I did it in Mexico. I've done it. I've done it. Excuse me. I've done it in a few cities in the U.S. and never really had a problem. I definitely had some alternative experiences. That's for sure that you would never have in a hotel. And getting back to Airbnb, which is what I wanted to talk about. It's really like the best of both worlds because Airbnb is more regulated. It's more it has a more professional feel. It's got brand recognition. It's a publicly traded company. You know what I'm saying? And there's money involved. There's, they check, you know, they try to identify you. You have to register your real person on the website to be a host and a guest and all that type of stuff. So it feels more secure and it feels a bit more official for lack of a better term. And so Airbnb is perfect because you can rent a private room in somebody's house. You can rent an entire apartment. You can rent an RV. Sometimes they're contained. And that's the other thing is it's always a different structure. No two Airbnbs are the same. You stay in a hotel in the U.S., the Marriott and the Hilton and the Days Inn and the Holiday Inn, they, they're all the fucking same, bro. Every hotel looks exactly the same, unless we're talking like luxury shit, one of a kind, $10,000 a night type of shit. We're not staying in places like that. I don't know about you. I'm not staying in places like that. So every hotel I've ever been in looked the fucking same. But with Airbnb, each and every one is different. It's unique because you're typically staying in somebody's home. You know, and so each person decorates the home in a different way. Each layout is different. Every time you're in a different building, on a different street, in a different neighborhood, even if you come back to the same city, you can stay in a bunch of different Airbnbs just to experiment different neighborhoods, different ways of living, different streets and stuff like that. I just think it's really cool. It's really cool. And when the idea came along, I mean, people thought people thought the, the founders were crazy. I can't, hold on, I can't remember his name, Brian something, is it Ches, Chesky, I was going to say Chesney, Brian Chesky, one of the founders of Airbnb, I mean, when he pitched this idea to investors, they were like, you are out of your fucking mind, there's no way grown adults are going to pay money to sleep in the house of a stranger halfway across the world, there's no way people are going to rent out their homes to complete strangers knowing that there's a high chance they throw a party and destroy the place. Nobody's going to do that. And now in 2023, it is the norm. Why would you stay in a hotel? Why would you do that? It's almost always more expensive, less fun, less comfortable, less authentic. What You don't really gain anything, you know? But now with Airbnb, you can travel to a foreign country and feel at home. Literally. In a furnished home, you got a kitchen, Wi-Fi, electricity, gas, a bed to sleep in, an office. I mean, you have everything you need, you know, and typically Airbnbs are like in the heart of the city where all the action is. So you're living like a local in the middle of all the action for however long you're there, or they're off in some remote location, you know, in like a cabin or a lodge or a beach house or some shit like that. And you're just isolated in paradise. They're very unique experiences you know what i mean and slowly over probably what 
I don't know how long the company's been in existence. When was Airbnb founded? Hang on. Airbnb founded. 2008, bro. What the fuck? <laughs> 2008. So during, I mean, over all that time, the the concept just became more and more normal and acceptable to people. I think once you see enough people that you know and trust using the site and talking about it online, it kind of builds that link of trust that you need to try it for yourself the first time. And then once you try it, once you use Airbnb, it's like, why, why would you use any other service? There's really no reason. You get the benefits of being in a hotel because the place is furnished and designed to receive guests. <clears throat> it was cleaned before you got there, hopefully, <laughs> theoretically. But you also get to feel like you're at home and live in a house or an apartment in the city and not in some fucking cookie cutter hotel in some tourist district. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what you prefer, but just the way I like to travel... I travel for culture, you know what I'm saying? So if I can live like the locals for an extended period of time, that's what I'm going to do. And Airbnb, I think, is the best option for that. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you can arrive in the city and like talk to people and make deals and find cheaper apartments with everything included. I've never done it, but I've heard many people have. But just, just with it being my first time in this country, I figured now nah, I'm going to go a more secure route, use something a little bit official that I know and understand. I know how Airbnb works and the securities they have in place and everything. So I was like, nah, I'm going to go with Airbnb, find a well-priced or a decently priced place and um, just make it work. And that's what I did. And that's why I love Airbnb is because it's like the best of hotels and couch surfing. It's like hotels and couch surfing had a baby. And the best parts of both came out of the womb. And that's what we got is Airbnb. It's fantastic, man. Fantastic. I mean, I could talk for, I guess I could talk all day about Airbnb, but I'm sure I've made my point because the topic of this episode is packing bags, like making preparations for an international trip. So I've chosen my city and country. Then you choose how, where you're going to stay and how long will you stay. And like I said a minute ago, I like to travel slowly. I travel for culture. So if I can stay an extended period of time, that's what I do. I really don't like the idea of going to any foreign country for less than a month. And I know that might sound extreme for most people, but I guess when you can work completely online, especially when you work for yourself, I mean, there's nothing really keeping you in one location. You know what I'm saying? If you can work from anywhere, not why not work from anywhere? Obviously... It might not be what you want forever, but shit, if you get the chance to try it, why not try it? I think it's the shit. And just in case you don't know, if somebody, if an American says, that's the shit, man, this song is the shit. The digital nomad lifestyle is the shit. It just means it is really, really cool, really good, very positive, fantastic, amazing. It is the shit, right? I think it's the shit. That's a weird expression, isn't it? Man, it's the shit. <laughs> like... Shit is not ever. That's the only time I think shit is positive. It's the shit. How could that be positive? Anyway, <laughs> the digital nomad lifestyle, in my opinion, is the shit. It has its drawbacks, but everything in life has its drawbacks, right? But anyway, um, I like to go at least a month. I think that's a good amount of time to get into the city Especially if you're still working, it's not like you're on vacation or something. So you'll make your free time to get out into the city, visit different neighborhoods, try to meet people, get involved in in social activities or whatever it may be. I think a month is like the minimum amount of time for you to be able to establish that. I'm not saying you can't do lots of things and have lots of fun and make lots of memories in two weeks or four days or whatever it may be. Obviously you can. I'm just saying my preference is to travel slowly. Like if I had to choose between visiting three cities in nine months or three cities in one month, I would choose three cities in nine months. A better example, what I think I was going to say was like, imagine three cities in nine months, basically one city every three months, or like nine cities in one month, something extreme like that. 
I don't want to go to a bunch of different places in a short amount of time. I want to go to a few places over a long amount of time or a large amount of time, I should say, you know? So, yeah, I like traveling slow. And Airbnb also makes that very accessible, too, because you can rent a place for an entire month. You just rent an apartment the same way you would rent an apartment in your own city. You can do that with via Airbnb. It's the shit. And so I'll be here for the next month. And after that, I guess we will hit the button again and see what happens. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I know I want to be here at least a month. At least a month. And so Airbnb makes it pretty easy to search for places based on the location, the neighborhood, your budget, certain amenities that you might need, like the apartment or the house must have Wi-Fi. It must have an air conditioner or it must have an office or a complete kitchen or a full bathroom or a king size bed. I don't know if they do bed sizes. I don't think they do yet. But one bedroom or three bedrooms or whatever. Or it can't cost more than 500 or 900 or 1500 or 2000. You can search based on different parameters so they make it super easy to find something that fits into your budget. You know, so I don't know. I just can't say enough good things about Airbnb. I really can't. Like everything, it has its drawbacks, its positive points and negative points. But for traveling, it's the shit. You know, I'm not really a big fan of hostels. I've done that before a few times. I've actually met some really cool people at hostels, you know. So traveling by yourself, just kind of going with the flow kind of traveling where you just traveling on the cheap, trying to save a bit of money, have some fun, meet people, be forced to be involved in a communal space in many social situations. I think hostels are great for that because they typically have lots of events. They have party nights. They might take you on a tour around the city. You'll be meeting other travelers who will most likely have a similar mentality when it comes to travel and what they do during their travels, if you know what I mean. So for that reason, I guess hostels are cool. But I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just an old man or something. But the idea of, especially for a month, you imagine sleeping in a room on a bunk bed with 15 other people for a month when you also work from home. I mean, where are you going to do your thing, you know? Again, another reason Airbnb is the shit. Because you can... You can, even if you just have to rent your own private room, you still need like your own space, bro, where you can just do your thing. You know, being a, in a communal space all the fucking time is a bit much. It's a bit much, at least for me. I'm also introverted, so I'm sure that doesn't help at all. But I think anybody after a certain, you know, amount of time, it's like, man, I need some space, bro. I fuck with y'all, but I don't fuck with y'all like that. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, I guess that's enough about Airbnb. I wasn't expecting to go that far. Um, giving Airbnb its prices. So let's move on, man. The next thing I had to consider before packing my bags was my passport status. Because I got my passport in 2013, my first one. I was how old at the time? 18? Yeah, I was 18 at the time. And I had to get it because my cousin was getting married in Mexico. And she invited my father and me. And we had to get passports to go to Mexico and be involved in the wedding. So that's when I first got it. And it just so happens that when I decided to travel again, my passport was about to expire. It would have expired before I even left for my trip. So. I had to renew my passport, and I'm trying to remember exactly what the situation was. I just remember I renewed my passport, I mailed it in to the passport agency, and then I read on the website, it's going to take anywhere from 10 to 13 weeks for you to receive your new passport. It's going to take 10 to 13 weeks for us to print a book with blank pages and your face on it. I would love to know why it takes so goddamn long. Um, but anyway, I also read in the fine print, if you are about to travel internationally in the next two weeks, call us and you can basically request the expedition 
of your passport. We'll get it to you faster than expected. Five to seven weeks, not 10 to 13. And so I'm thinking, being the fucking naive, new booty motherfucker that I was at the time, I'm thinking, oh, okay, perfect. So I'm going to renew my passport, send it in. I didn't want to pay the extra what? I think it was like 80 bucks to get it rapidly, especially when I saw in the fine print, like, oh, no, I can just call them and let them know I'm traveling within the next two weeks. Let me just come get the passport from the agency in five to seven weeks instead of 10 to 12. I'm good. I bought my plane tickets, reserved the Airbnb. It was two weeks before my trip. I called. I couldn't even get them on the phone the first day. I was like, nah, I still got 13 days. No, no problem. I'll get them on the phone. So I called again the next day. (sighs) But I couldn't get them on the phone. And so then I was like, oh, wow, this doesn't, uh, this doesn't feel good. (laughs) This does not feel like things are going to go well, but nope, I still got 12 days, 12 days. I'm going to get these motherfuckers on the phone within the next 12 days. There's no way I'm not right. So day number three, I call, I call, I, I get on the, not the waiting list, but what do they call it? They put me in the queue to be attended by one of the employees. And so I knew I couldn't hang up the phone because if I did, I might not get them back on the phone for another few days and I need my passport. My trip is in 12 days, right? So I wait on I wait on hold for, I don't know, hour and a half, hour 45, something like that. And they finally get on the phone and this lady tells me, well, listen, what we said on the website is that you can call and request an expedition of your passport. It doesn't mean you're going to get it. You still have to reserve like an appointment to come get the passport. And these appointments are very hard to come by. And if something is hard to come by, that means it is rare. It's not easily found. That's basically what it means if somebody says this thing is hard to come by. So appointments for an expedited process an early passport are hard to come by. They're very rare. And what do you know? There were no available appointments before my trip. <laughs> so the lady on the phone, I guess she was doing me a solid. She was doing me a favor, which is the same thing. And she told me, well, listen, if you want, I'll take your credit card information and you can pay for the expedited service. And if they think they can get you your passport before you leave, They'll charge your card and mail it to you, priority mail, like overnight. I said, okay, let's do that. And the passport didn't arrive before the trip. So lost those plane tickets because I didn't buy refundable ones because I'm me. And um, <laughs> and I lost a month worth of Airbnb money too, bro. All that money just gone because of bad timing, poor planning. You know, so the second time I made sure I wasn't going to fuck it up, you know, I made sure. Right. So I had to wait a couple more weeks. And it's funny because the passport actually arrived a week and a half after I missed my flight because I didn't have my passport, which is some bullshit. But, you know, that's life sometimes. So then I waited a couple more weeks, made made sure everything was in order, bought my tickets, reserved another Airbnb. And here I am. So just make sure before you plan any international trips that your passport will be valid for, let's call it six to nine months uh, before and after your trip. Can't think of a better way to say that off the top of the head. Just make sure it will be valid nine months into the future from the date you plan to travel. I hope that makes sense. Right. So if you plan to travel on January 1st, make sure your passport will at least be valid until October of that same year just so you don't run any risk of your shit expiring at the worst of times all right don't do what i did don't be dumb planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Damn, bro, don't you fucking hate losing money on nonsense? That was just some nonsense. Uh, but you know what? Um, What I've learned over the years is that one should not cry over spilled milk i know you have this expression in your language at least if you speak spanish or portuguese you do and if it exists in spanish and portuguese i'm sure it exists to many other languages to cry over spilled milk basically means to sit and cry and complain and bitch and moan about some shit that already happened in the past therefore you cannot change you know it already happened it you know boop, spilled the milk it fell all over the table there's a puddle and somebody has to clean it up why cry now it already happened crying isn't gonna clean the milk up it's not gonna put it back in the cup so you can drink the shit why are you crying about it it already happened just right it already happened so there's no reason to cry over spilled milk and it's one of those things like when it happened it's just like ah you know fuck it what can i do it already happened and at the same time it's like goddamn there's a lot of money you know, <laughs> just because I'm not going to cry about it doesn't mean I'm happy about it. God damn it. So make sure your passports are valid before you travel. The next thing I had to consider was if I needed a visa. I got my passport. Do I need a visa? And luckily, <clears throat> excuse me. Luckily, I didn't need a visa to come to this country. And I don't need a visa to go to quite a few countries that I'd like to visit. Which is, you know, it's unfortunate that a select group of people known as our government and a select few people that have made some very dumb decisions they kind of determine everybody else everybody else's experience when traveling internationally so what i mean is governments decide who needs a visa and who doesn't to enter and exit the country or how long each foreigner can stay and all that all that's determined by a government a very tiny group of people who have nothing to do with the majority of the citizens or the people visiting the country, you know, I don't I'm, I don't mean absolutely nothing to do with obviously the, the government of the country. What I'm trying to say is like. For example, for my country to decide that your country needs a visa to enter this country, it's like, why? Why is it that some countries do and other countries don't? I never really understood that. I don't really know anything about geopolitics, so it's hard for me to have an opinion or any thoughts on it i just think it's weird that a tiny group of people can decide the the international travel plans of the rest of the world it's weird you know and then you have some times where uh certain people will go to a country and do a lot of stupid shit make a bad name for all the people from their country and then the relations between those countries get constrained and it just becomes like well fuck you okay fuck me well fuck you I hope you know what I mean. If it's basically like uh, reciprocity, that's what they call it, right? You wash my hand, I'll wash yours. If you leave the door open for me, I'll leave it open for you. But as soon as you close the door, well, fuck you too. I'm going to close the door. Which is dumb because, like, if my president gets mad at your president because, I don't know, he was talking about his sweaty hands when they shook hands on TV, calling him a nervous little bitch, if they have some insignificant little spat like that they might just say you know what fuck all the people from that country now they need a visa to come and they can only stay 30 days and that shit just happens and then your president says oh fuck us okay well fuck you too you need a visa to come here and you can only stay 30 days how you like that shit right that's weird man i'm not saying we should have open borders i don't understand geopolitics enough i don't understand geo I don't think global economy enough or 
global infrastructure. I don't understand what the effects of that would be on a societal level. I'm just saying the idea of like certain countries having agreements where, oh, your citizens can enter mine and my citizens can enter yours. It's kind of weird. You know, like the idea that certain passports are quote unquote stronger than others has always been kind of weird to me. But anyway, luckily I didn't need a visa to visit this country or the country I plan to visit next. You know, visas fucking suck. Anything where you have to send documents to a government and wait approval fucking sucks. Right? Whatever it is, bro, it sucks. It just sucks. Hmm. I'm not saying I'm anti-government. Don't misunderstand me. Um, I'm just anti shit that sucks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, so the next thing I had to consider after choosing a city and country, how long I would stay there, how much it would cost me, my passport status, whether or not I would need a visa. After all of that, some other things I considered were uh, how things work in this country. Because if you're going to be staying there long term, more than a month, any any amount of time, really, even less than a month, a couple weeks or whatever, I think it's pretty smart to know or at least have an idea of how the healthcare system works. Is healthcare free? Can you go to a public hospital? Is it private? Do you need insurance? What should you expect if you break your leg in a foreign country, if you get a particular virus in a foreign country and you can't leave, what should you expect and how will you get yourself taken care of? You know what I'm saying? Especially when you don't know anybody in the country. That's a sticky situation, bro. A very tricky situation to be in. So it's something that you should really consider, man. Like wherever you're staying, I had to figure out, okay, where's the nearest hospital? Where's the dentist? If something happens, what would I do? Who would I call? How would I get there? All that type of shit. Obviously, you don't know exactly um, because nothing ever goes exactly the way you planned it, I, I guess. And you don't plan to get hurt or sick, but still at least have some kind of idea of what to do and how much it'll cost in the event that the worst does happen. The other thing I considered was public transportation, right? Does the city have a metro line, a subway, a bus, public transportation at all? Do they have anything? Am I going to take Uber all the time or taxis? Can I just walk everywhere? How am I going to get around the city while I'm there? And luckily this city, at least the area I'm staying in, is quite walkable, which basically means you can walk to the majority of the places you need to go, whether it's the market, local parks and plazas, bars, clubs, uh, football fields. Everything is relatively close. You can walk to a lot of places. So it's a very walkable area of the city. And they also have a pretty extensive bus line, I guess. I haven't used it yet. Um, and they have Uber and taxis. So I'm pretty covered in that regard, I would say. The best cities have metros though, right? Metros are the shit. That's one thing I loved about being in Sao Paulo many years ago was just the extensive railway network, the metro and the train. It's like, obviously there are times when you need the bus or Uber or something like that, but if you can find an Airbnb next to a metro station, bro, you're, you're good, bro. You're good. So I took that into consideration as well, you know, because when you're going to be there for a month or more, let's call it multiple months, you want to manage like how much money you're making and spending and everything. So I'm trying to like guesstimate how much would I have to spend for healthcare? How much would I have to spend for public transportation? Cell phone plans was another one. Luckily, cell phone plans aren't too expensive these days, at least where I'm located now. And you really only need data just so you can have connection to use like WhatsApp or Google Maps or Uber, uh, stuff like that. Other than that, you don't, I mean, you probably won't be using your phone too much in the street. Um, and at the house or the Airbnb or hotel or whatever, you got Wi-Fi, so you're good to go. So just a simple, cheap, month-to-month, -month, like prepaid cell phone plan. Um, is really good to have. And I, one thing I didn't mention about Airbnb was the hosts. That's part of what gives you the sensation that you're at home. I completely forgot to mention that because when you're in a hotel, especially like a chain or, you know, regular hotel, not some fancy luxury shit, 
it's not like people are waiting on you hand and foot and doing everything they can to make you feel like a welcome guest. They're just like, okay, Mr. Johnson, room 234, here's your key. You know what I'm saying? Don't fuck the place up. Room service is this much and breakfast is at nine. All right, take care. You'll probably never talk to them again unless you need towels or you're trying to ask them where to find a good restaurant. But Airbnb, you won't always get great hosts. You might not even always meet your hosts. But um, every once in a while, you get lucky and find just some amazing people who welcome you with open arms, show you around the city. My host for this apartment that I rented uh, welcomed me with a chilled bottle of rosé, some nice wine from Chile. It was delicious, man. Finished the whole bottle. <laughs> it was great, man. And one of the hosts plays football and he um, invited me to play with him and his friends. So I got a place to play and people to play with. I mean, like the first day I got here, the other host took me on a walk around the neighborhood and showed me uh, where to find things, where I can go to meet people. She told me so much stories, so many stories about the city because she's been living and working here for like 15 years. So she knows so much and she knows she knew so many people in the streets was constantly getting stopped to say hello to people and stuff like that. So to be in this place and have those people as hosts, locals who know the place and who are doing everything they can to make you feel welcome. When there was an internet in the apartment, they left me a separate cell phone with unlimited data just so I can use the hotspot for Wi-Fi because they know I work at home. That type of shit. You know what I'm saying? I didn't ask them to do any of that shit. They just did it. You know what I'm saying? And so sometimes you just meet some really, really real cool people. When you're on the road, being hosted on Airbnb or whatever it is, meeting people online who will receive you with open arms and just try to make you feel at home. That's priceless, bro. That's priceless. So I can't um, put into words how cool it is to be here and have met those people. And I swear, man, like even just trying to get a cell phone, like a, a SIM card and a cell phone plan, one of my hosts helped me do that. You know, took me to um, a local store and talked with the the employee and explained the situation and helped me go through the process and get everything set up. Because if it weren't for her, it have been so much harder. Everything for the last few days would have been so much harder if I didn't have the hosts that I have. If I didn't know anybody here, it has been much more challenging. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm here alone. I didn't know anybody. Before I came here. And um, so again, I got super lucky with that. And I was going to say something else about that. Ah, yeah, that's what it was. I, I want to emphasize that because before I came here to this country, I thought I spoke Spanish. I thought I did. <laughs> and then... um. I got off the plane. Matter of fact, even when I was in Miami, it was worse in Miami because the people in Miami working at the airport were much more aggressive. They were pretty rude and they were very impatient with me and my broken Spanish when I was trying to check bags and ask for help and directions and stuff like that. But when I got to this country, uh, the people were very nice in the airport. So that was cool. Most of them, I should say. And uh, I thought I spoke Spanish before I came here, but then I got off the plane, started interacting with people, and I realized, no, 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 I'm learning Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. I'm learning to speak Spanish. I understand it relatively well in casual situations, but God damn, some natives just talk so fast, man. They talk like so fast like jesus bro slow it down homes slow it down slow it down por favor so i thought i spoke spanish but no i'm learning spanish my friend and so without the help of my host life would just be much harder it would be much harder you know and that brings me to the next thing i considered you know when when thinking about how things work here it's like, where am I going to go to meet people? Because I'm here long term. And by long term, I mean more than a month. And I came to get involved in the culture. I came to improve my Spanish, meet new people. So it's not like I just want to sit here in the apartment all day, every day, 
like you would typically do if you were in a hotel, for example. I'm in the middle of a city, millions of people here, and um, I don't know, even though my Spanish, in my opinion, is fucking trash. <laughs> I shouldn't, that's an exaggeration. It's not trash, even though my Spanish is not great barely conversational you know what i'm saying um i still just want to get out there and improve there's only one way to do it bro you put your feet into the fire and you let it burn god damn it better yet you sink or swim i think this is a better expression a better analogy because if you think about somebody who doesn't know how to swim maybe has an idea of how to swim maybe they've been in water before and you put them on a cliff overlooking the ocean and you just poof, push them into the ocean, they got two options. They sink to the bottom and drown and die <laughs> horrifically, by the way, or they learn how to swim in that very moment. You got two choices. You sink or you swim, bro. And I think when you force yourself into the foreign country and nobody speaks your language and you speak the language, you know, you're... Your ability to speak their language and understand it is like a 5 out of 10, 6 out of 10 on a good day. You just, I mean, you sink or swim. Sink or swim, bro. What are you going to do? Sit in the apartment all fucking day? Because you're afraid that, like, you're afraid to talk to people. You're afraid your language skills aren't good enough or that you won't be able to express. Like, what are you going to do? You just have to step on out there. And see what happens, you know? And then by putting yourself into the real world situations, you are forced to just think on your feet. You know what I'm saying? And you're going to make a fool of yourself. I can't tell you how many times in the last three days, just three days, I probably made myself look like a fucking idiot trying to speak broken Spanish, all nervous and fucking anxious because I'm obsessing over what I'm trying to say and then obsessing over how it sounds and obsessing over how the person who's listening to me is reacting to this fucking disastrous display. But who gives a shit, bro? It's the only way to improve. And every day I leave the house and I do it again and again and again. And over time, you just learn. And that's not enough, though. Getting back to my point, I think what I noticed or what was reaffirmed on this trip is just going to the country is not enough. Because I've met so many people, I teach English to some people who live in the United States and still don't have opportunities to speak English. Because what happens is a lot of people who come from abroad to the U.S., they just naturally go towards people who are like them, who come from their country and speak their language. And there are entire communities of people who don't speak any English, large Chinese communities, large Latino communities, large Eastern African communities and stuff like that. And some of these people don't speak a lick of English, even though they've been in the country five, 10, 20 years. And it's because just all day around them, they hear their native language. No reason to learn English. I don't necessarily, you know, I'm not missing anything by not speaking it. I have my job, my money, my family, my friends, etc. So they just don't learn the language. And I could see very easily any foreigner who leaves the U.S., me in this case, I go abroad and I just, you know, I go to the bakery every morning. I maybe get my hair cut, play soccer a couple of times a week if I'm lucky. And here I have been lucky. But maybe you don't even have that. You just order food. Maybe you buy some clothes or something, but they're very short, uh, you know, I don't want to say inauthentic. They're just very short interactions. Just, hey, how you doing? Good morning, good afternoon. I would like to buy this. How much is this? Blah, blah, blah. Very basic stuff. You're not having intellectual or stimulating or fun conversations at the cash register at your local grocery store every day, all day. You're just not doing that. And so you need more than that to really develop your skills. And I think that's why I wanted to focus so much on finding ways to get involved in something while I was here, not just going to the local cafeterias and restaurants and bars or whatever but places where i actually have to interact with people for an extended period of time and make all kinds of conversation you know so playing soccer is one of those for me or football because it's just one of my favorite things to do bro i mean they're like on the list of top three things soccer's on that list football is on that list like it's just one of the best ways to spend time it is so much fun <laughs> I cannot put into words how much fucking fun playing football is. I really can't. Even if you suck, it doesn't matter. It's not like I'm fucking 
you know, Bruno Fernandes, Kevin De Bruyne in this bitch. I'm just saying, it's still fun. You don't have to be great to have fun. You just have to enjoy the game. Let that be a life lesson, you know? Anyway, that's one way that I know I can meet new people. In any city where people play football, I can make friends or at least find people to talk to. And we already have something in common. We fucking love football, right? Another thing is dancing. I don't know about you, but I love to dance. I love to dance. It is so much fun. It's such a unique and fun. I just can't find a better word than that. It's just such a unique form of self-expression. And you don't have to talk at all. You just It's all about just expressing your energy in a different way. This probably sounds cheesy as fuck. But that's how it feels. Dancing is a lot of fun, man. And dancing is a big part of the culture here. And there are particular dances that I want to learn how to do. That's another great way to meet people is dancing, you know, getting out into this social place, doing this social activity. You dance with another person. You meet people. You have fun. You exchange numbers. You know what I'm saying? And shit just goes the way it goes. It's just a great way to meet people and be involved in the culture. If you learn the local dances, people will be teaching you those dances in the local language probably teaching you the history of those dances, where they came from, and the differences from region to region and all that type of stuff. It's just a great cultural education. Any any activity that's only done in that place, like if you have the opportunity, just go for it. It's a great way to meet people, practice language, and get immersed in the culture. So while I'm here, I want to find some type of school or some way to learn how to dance. You know, I figured I would just go to a club or whatever they call the place where they do these dances. I figured I would just go someplace and watch and try to like improvise. But no, nah, I want to actually learn the correct way to do the dance. So that when I arrive on a dance floor, like I know what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? I can fucking do my thing, you know? Um, so that's really important to me. Football, dancing, language exchanges. I know that that's really common in major cities across the world. And I think it's common here too. And so if you can find online like, Language exchange group, English and Spanish or Spanish and French, whatever languages you're trying to learn, you might be able to find some in major cities where just natives meet up with each other and just make conversation. They might go to a bar or a restaurant or a park and just talk like you would with friends. Another great way to practice languages, meet friends and have some social interaction in this foreign place where you're alone and nobody knows your name. Nobody speaks your language. Nobody really gives a shit about you. It's nice to be involved in some type of social activity. Especially if you're there long term, you know? And also another big, really important one is volunteer work. That's something I didn't do or even think about when I was in Brazil, but I did do it when I was in Mexico. And what I learned from that is that it's one of the, <clears throat> excuse me, it's one of the, I don't know if I could say best ways. I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for, but it's a great way to get involved in the culture of a, of a country or a particular group of people because you're doing something good for other people off the top from the beginning. That's already a great thing. But also, you're typically in a situation where the people are very welcoming and friendly and patient, right? I mean, they're doing volunteer work. They're doing something good for other people, which means they're probably decent people. And so when you come through with your broken language skills, just trying to get involved and trying to help and be social with everybody there and, and, and be part of the group, People are usually quite receptive to that in situations where you're doing volunteer work. So it's a great way to practice your language skills in a low pressure environment where people aren't like judging you or making fun of you or expecting you to speak super quickly or whatever it may be, like you find in many major cities or just countries across the world. So when you're doing volunteer work, you're typically with decent people doing something good for other people, constantly talking to and interacting with other people. Of all ages, right? Because if it's volunteer work, it's probably going to involve some minors, adolescents, adults, elders, you know what I mean? Just people of all different uh, age groups and probably cultural backgrounds as well doing volunteer work. So that's another great way to get involved in the culture, no matter where you are. So those are some things that I'm looking into uh, while I'm here. And uh, who knows? Let's see, maybe in a month. I'll have an update for you and let you know a little bit more about my experiences abroad, man. And speaking of experiences, the one thing I didn't really consider too much was places I wanted to visit. Because like I said earlier in the episode, I'm not really the kind of guy that's like, okay, I'm going to go to this city 
And on Monday, I'm doing this at this time. And on Tuesday, we'll do that. And on Friday, we'll do this. And next, I don't know. I just, maybe I'm just lazy or I don't know what it is. I don't really like to make plans like that. Like I said, I'm just going to pick a city, buy the tickets, book the Airbnb, show up. Hopefully, I've met people before I arrived. So I can already have some friends there and they can show me where the real action is at. They can show me where only the locals go. The stuff you're not going to find on Google or YouTube, right? Hopefully I've already done that. And then I just kind of see what happens. Take it from there. It's worked so far, you know. But um, after getting here, I did notice. I mean, it's such a big city. There's a lot to do and a lot to see. And my time is limited here. So I figured this week I had to sit down and at least plan out a little bit, a few things I want to do, a few, a few places I want to go and actually put them on the calendar and be disciplined and follow through and actually go do those things. Because again, it's very easy, especially when you work from home, to just be at home, especially when I'm in the city and I look out my office window and see this beautiful view during the day and at night. It's beautiful. doesn't matter if the sun is shining or if it's completely dark. And when the sun is shining, you see the green of the mountains juxtaposed with the reds and the browns and the blues of the bricks of all the buildings, the whites and the golds as well, stuff like that. And all the people, all the cars and everything, just this organism, this living, breathing organism you can see. And the clouds, basically, I was thinking about this earlier today when I'm looking at the mountains in front of me. The clouds are just low enough that they kind of like kiss the mountains. They just like rub right over the tip of the mountains. As if like they're coming, they're coming through to say hey or something like that. I don't know. It's just the way it seemed when I was looking at them earlier. And again, the moon at night, the moon right above the mountains, kind of like illuminating the clouds a little bit and the peaks of the mountain. And then it's just nothing but lights as far as you can see from left to right. Just all the lights of the houses and the buildings and the restaurants and the cars and stuff. So it's beautiful, man. And so it's very easy to just be like, nah, just chill at home. I have everything I need here. You know, um, but nah, gotta you gotta fucking get out there, man. We don't travel to sit in hotel rooms. We travel to fucking interact with the earth, interact with the world. You know what I'm saying? That's what we travel for. Have experiences. And I don't know, man. I just doubt that you'll be on your deathbed thinking, God damn, you remember that one time that I traveled to that one place in that one city, in that one hotel, and I stayed in the room all day, god damn, those were good times, you're not gonna say that, you're not gonna say that, right, so fucking, I'm telling, I'm saying this to anybody who can identify with what I'm saying, get the fuck out of the house, even in your own city, bro, you probably don't even know your own city the way you should, get out the house, bro, leave, go outside, let the sun touch your skin, talk to human beings, it is good for you, trust me, Trust me, bro. Get out the fucking house, man. Anyway, like I said, I didn't really I didn't really consider too much which places I would visit. I'm considering that now. It was more like what do I want to do, not where do I want to go. Like I said, I want to play football, learn how to dance, do some language exchanges and some volunteer work. If I can do all that during my time here, I'm GTG, bro. I'm good to go. Satisfied. You know? But you know the craziest thing about this entire episode is I haven't even talked about packing my fucking bags yet. We are, what, 56 minutes into this recording, more or less, depending on the edits I do after this. And I haven't even talked about packing my actual bags. I talked about everything leading up to the packing of the bags. And now we have arrived at the packing of the bags. So once I decided all that, bought my tickets, booked the Airbnb, I'm ready to go. I had to decide what to take and what to leave. And I'm the type of guy that likes to travel light. As lightly as possible. Travel light, bro. Like whatever. I'm the, my philosophy is if you really, 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 really need it, you can buy it when you get there. You don't need to bring it. Like That's probably not even the right way to say it. After hearing myself say it that way, what I'm saying is you take the essentials and nothing more. And if... In your heart, you know this is not essential for survival. If you know that you can't get it where you're going, then take it with you. But if you can get it where you're going, just get it when you get there. <laughs> Man, that was like a master class of the verb to get, right? If you can get it where you're going, get it when you get there. What I'm saying is if you can purchase it where you're going, 
purchase it when you arrive at that place. You don't need to take it with you in your bag on, you know, on the carry on bag, on your fucking check, but whatever. You don't need to bring it with you. It's a waste of space. The more stuff you bring, the more stuff you possess, the more stuff you have to worry about. You know what I mean? Imagine if you own seven houses, 10 cars, a fucking jet and boats and shit. I'm not saying that I wouldn't want those things. I'm not saying I would turn them down. I'm just saying that that's a lot of shit to worry about. You have to keep that shit in good condition and fucking pay insurance and gas and all this, you know, fuck all that. Imagine you have two houses, four houses, 10 houses that you have to pay for, you know? Or you got to, if, you, if you're financing a car, that's a fuck every month. You have to pay your car note. In the U.S., it's illegal to drive without car insurance. So every month you pay your car note and car insurance and then gas. You know what I'm saying? And maintenance or whatever the fuck. It's just the more stuff you have, the more stuff you have to take care of. You have three kids, woof. Six kids, goddamn. Ten kids, bro, you are fucked. The more you have, the more you have to worry about. So when it comes to traveling, I like to travel light because I don't like to worry about shit. I like to be mobile, agile. I like to be able to, in less than 30 minutes. Matter of fact, less than 20. I like to be able to pack it all up and just fucking leave if I need to. You know what I mean? And that's the way I pack my bags. I have a backpack and a medium-sized suitcase. Backpack is for all my recording equipment and everything I do to produce all this content. And the suitcase is for clothing and bigger pieces of equipment like this boom arm to hold my microphone and shit like that my tripod they couldn't fit in the backpack so i had to put them in the suitcase other than that and to be honest with you i would have bought a smaller suitcase if not for my microphone stand and the tripod those are the biggest things i have i brought more equipment than clothes because i have that mentality like bro i can if i really need more clothes i can buy them when i get there it's not that big a deal it's a, you know why take all that shit with me just in case I need it when I can buy it there if I actually need it. That's my mentality. You know? If you can buy it when you get there, just fucking buy it when you get there, bro. Just a fucking backpack, a carry-on bag. I don't like checking any bags. And so let's talk about bags really quick because this is Real English Radio. I'm here to teach you at least a little bit of English in this episode. So you might take a backpack. And I'm sure you know what that is. Put your laptop in there if you have one or your Kindle any e-readers, iPads, books, notepads, whatever it is you do, you might put your stuff in there, your passport, your ID, boarding passes to get on the plane, proof of insurance, I don't know, whatever you might bring in your bag, makeup, snacks, shit like that. And then you might have a carry-on bag because typically the backpack will go under the seat when you're on the airplane. Then your carry-on, you can put in the overhead bin, which is literally the bin for the bags that are located over your head. And that might be like a small 18-inch or 21-inch suitcase. Enough for, actually more than enough for a weekend, right? You might have a small duffel bag with a weekend's worth of clothing in there. Or you might have a small suitcase with, I don't know, four or five days worth of clothing, a week's worth, something like that. And then you just go up in size. You have the 26 inch, I think 28, 32 or something like that. And I just got the medium sized to, again, to fit my equipment, nothing more. But if it wasn't for that, I would travel with a carry-on and a backpack, bro. I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't really, I thought about that for a long time, why I am that way. Cause that idea is not a comfortable one for some people to have like to be traveling for three to six to nine months at a time and your entire life is in your backpack and a suitcase or a duffel bag. That's a weird idea for some people. But for me, I'm like, nah, bro, that's, that's what I want. You know, light footprint, very few things to care about. I can pack it all up in 20 minutes and be gone. Let's go. Next city. You feel me? It's just better. It's just better. You know? I know it's different for everybody. Ladies, I know how it is. You have 132 distinct pairs of shoes and you just, you, for some reason, you believe you need 128 of them. But you don't. If you really need more shoes, you can buy them when you get there. You know what I mean? I know it's not easy for everybody. Some people want to bring their entire wardrobe. Some people want to bring all the makeup or all the deodorant or all the shaving cream or whatever the fuck. I don't know. 
ladies and gentlemen. I don't know what's most important to you. Um, but you get what I'm trying to say. I know for some people it's just hard to wrap their heads around the idea of traveling so light that everything they have fits into a backpack and a small bag. But that's, you know, that's my style, G. So that's what I did. Backpack, medium-sized suitcase, and I I hit the road, Jack. And here we are. Here we are, my friend. Well, to be honest with you, my friend, I have arrived at the end of my notes, and I wasn't expecting this episode to be that long. You know, my intention was to talk about packing my bags, and I think I talked about everything except that. But hopefully you've heard, written down, and internalized quite a few vocabulary words, expressions, things related to travel, or just life in general, because I talked about a little bit of everything, right? Hopefully you still enjoyed this episode of Real English Radio. And I'll close by saying this. As soon as I get this bubble out of my chest, excuse me, I will close by saying this. Of course, not everyone will have the privilege of traveling abroad one day, but if you ever get the chance, I suggest you take it without thinking twice. Do not hesitate, my friend, because going to another part of the world to experience a different language, a different culture, is truly a unique experience, man, and one of the best ways you can spend your time and your money and grow as a person, if you ask me. And so, again, I'll bring this episode to a close by thanking you for your time and your attention. I really hope you enjoy this episode of Real English Radio. I am your host, Tony Kaizen, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace.